0: Welcome to I Am, I Have. I'm Lucy Donoghue and this podcast is brought to you by Happiful Magazine and Counselling Directory. Now we all have mental health and some of us will experience or live with mental illness, but that doesn't define who we are. Through I Am, I Have, we'll meet with some wonderful people who have spoken out about mental health and illness and find out more about who they are and the passions that shape their lives as well as their own reflections on their mental health. Please subscribe, rate and review and share your thoughts on social media if you like what you hear using the hashtag I am, I have. We are so very happy and privileged to welcome the wonderful Megan Crabb on I am, I have. It's lovely to have you here, Megan. Oh, it's lovely to be here. So I am, I have, it's all about who we really are in our own words. So I'm going to ask you to
1: introduce yourself if that's okay. I am, well, you've already said my name. I won't say that again. Hi. So I am, I suppose, an advocate for body positivity and eating disorder recovery, mainly also general mental health. I do influencer things on the Internet. I'm a writer also. And that's the gist of my, I suppose, like public Public life. Lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so you've given us three I ams and one I have to discuss. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go straight in with the first I am, which is one that is always close to my heart. You say,
1: I am a dog mum. <laughs> 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 Tell me more. Well, I I genuinely think dogs are better than humans. Yeah, me too. No offence to like any, any humans listening to this, but I, I, I they're just they're the best thing in the world like we don't deserve them i truly feel we have not done enough to deserve dogs in our life that's true i think it's because they it's such it's such an unconditional love truly and they're always so happy to see you they're never judging you for you know crying on the floor at 11 p.m. at night you know they're just they just there they're just there and i suppose i haven't found many humans that give me the same kind of unconditional love absolutely yeah unconditional for any state that you're
0: in any time it is exactly they are always happy to see you mm-hmm. so tell me about your own dogs <laughs>
1: I've never been asked about my dogs on a podcast. Oh, I love it, I love this it. This Get told delightful. off for talking about dogs so much. Oh, it's amazing. I have a Cairn Terrier who is feisty as hell and I have a Cocker Spaniel who is an actual baby and will just be held in my arms like for hours and hours and hours and fall asleep. So I've got a good combo going on.
0: And their names? Topsy and Bella. Oh, yeah. amazing. Do you find that your dogs do amazing things for your mood and mental health? Oh my gosh,
1: absolutely. They're so... They are so intuitive. I've had more than one occasion where Bella, the baby one, I will be down or I'll be crying and she will try to lick my tears away. She will just place herself on my chest. And it's that real, it's probably physiological, isn't it? That real calming effect of having another like being on your chest, soothing you. Yeah. The other one hates when I'm sad, like she will leave the room. If I start crying, she gets up and leaves the room. She can't, she's just not. She's not dealing with it. She's not emotional. It's fine, it's fine. We all have our our stuff. Um, But they're just, yeah, they, they have been such a huge help for me when I'm feeling particularly anxious or like, I just don't know what's going on in the world. They are always so solid. They are so comfortable. Yeah, they, they save me regularly. And it's that thing about non-verbal communication as well and the
0: tactility of being able to stroke a dog and love a dog and, mm-hmm. and those kind of things. I think sometimes when words fail us in human conversations, just that genuine affection can be really good for our mental health. Yeah, we're a big fan of dogs that have full. <laughs> can tell, it's <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I should move on, really, shouldn't I? Because I could talk about dogs all day. So your second I am is... I am a caregiver for my sister. So tell us
1: more about this. Uh, so my sister is called Gemma and I have been one of her primary caregivers for about six years, I would say. So she has cerebral palsy and she is living independently in her own house. It's it's fabulous. It's all purple and she has a rotation of caregivers, and I am one of them. I'm usually the weekend person. And obviously she's been in my life my whole life. You know, she's my older sister. I've grown up with her. But I've been able to kind of step more into a role of of doing more for her and spending more time with her. And it keeps me very grounded because in the, it's almost like I have this kind of double life, like Hannah Montana-style double life, where I, I have, I know, where I have the the influencer side of things, which can sometimes be... You know, exciting and a tiny bit glamorous sometimes, and fast paced. And then I have my sister to go back to, and in her lovely purple space, and just be with her and connect with with who I who I really feel like I am. Yeah. And I am I am quite a caregiver in general to, to all people. Um, and it, it's it's a lovely combination those those two kind of lives. And lately, I've been forcing them together a little bit more and Gemma has appeared more on my social media channels uh, I've, I've made more content with her and she absolutely loves it she and she's a star <laughs> like people love her so much I get when I don't post her I get messages saying where where is Gemma I've literally had people say to me I am now only following you for Gemma updates <laughs> I know, which is kind of like, it's a bit of a you know, backwards compliment, but it's fine because because Gemma loves it. She loves that she is more adored than I am on my own channels, and we got to do some really amazing stuff last year. I was in a Little Mix music video last I year. Know. I know. I don't know what the hell what the hell is going on with that. Tell us about
0: the Little Mix video.
1: Tell us about how <laughs> that came about and how it was on the day. Tell you what, it um was a complete surprise. Basically, all all the good things that really are happening come about from surprise emails that seem so casual and they're just like oh hey do you want to write a book or oh hey do you want to be in a little mix music video (laughs) and you're like this is a scam. Do you
0: refresh the page? I thought uh, that said little mix video. Oh no it does say little mix video. Yeah yeah you have
1: to you have to stare at it for like a solid half hour to figure out if it's legit and it was and it was one of my friends who works at Instagram was helping them with the, the video concept and put me forwards to be in it. So they were releasing this song and they didn't tell me too much about it, but they said it's, it's about positive body image. It's about celebrating women. It's going to be kind of sassy and upbeat. And that's my jam. Like, obviously, I, I was not going to say no to that. So we got there and it was being shot by Rankin. It was like an all day thing where... You're basically just, just sitting around all day while they were filming Bits and Bobs. And then you got your moment to kind of go on to set and dance, which I, I, I love. So I completely let go. I was wearing this little, like, just a black leotard, essentially. No bra, wild, wild boob action. Um, and just just jiggled away like, like I do in my videos online. And it was brilliant. Yeah, it was really, really good. I was chuffed. I don't, never use that word, but chuffed with chuffed the result. Chuffed is a good word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gemma actually, so she is an OG Little Mix super fan. I truly. See. Yeah, from day one from X Factor. And I decided not to tell her. So I kept this a secret for maybe like two, three months that I had been, I didn't tell her I was going to the video. I made up some, I have to go to London for a meeting and, and kept it completely quiet. And then I thought, You know what would be so, so perfect is if I could surprise her with this. So I messaged my friend at Instagram who had got me into the video to to say, you know, if there's an event that the band are doing, is there any way we can sneak my sister in and surprise her with it And, and we'll film it and we'll make this like feel good content around it. And he he made it happen, you know, this, this he's called Sunil, he's an absolute angel. And he made it happen. So he went back and forth with with the band's management and the location to orchestrate this complete surprise for my sister, who still had no idea I'd done the video. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So on the day we um I tricked her by telling her that we were headed up to London because Instagram wanted to meet her because she'd been in my content. They love, like, they love her dancing. They they just want to say hi, and she was excited enough about that. Like, she was on the car up. She was saying, "Oh, I can't believe this is our life now. We're celebrities." <laughs> like, she was she was really really excited about that. And then we we funneled her into one room, and we had the band waiting in another room. And I took her through and showed her the music video, and they just walked in the back door, and it was the most. It was one of the best moments of of my entire life. It was so pure, such pure happiness and joy from that. Yeah. And we filmed the whole thing on like five different phones and then I edited it all together. So the the video exists of, of the moment of her face, the moment Little Mix walk in, which is just priceless.
0: That's such a beautiful thing firstly mm-hmm. that you got to do it and it was as you said you were chuffed but also that you were able to share that moment with her and make that moment in a way even bigger for her. Mm-hmm. Um, as a sibling that's such a nice thing to be able to share it with is. each other.
1: It is, it is. and it's, it is a real Privilege that I got to do that. Also, I will never top that now for like. But you want to say you don't know?
0: (laughs) Anyone listening, can Mm. you top that? Spice Girls (laughs) be around? Oh come on, Spice (laughs) Girls! Can you imagine?
1: No, she would lose it.
0: So, talking about dancing with Gemma, Mm -hmm. you were talking about some of the content that you've you've had on your pages. Do you do you want to talk a bit around that? What kind of things you've you've been doing with Gemma on your on your Instagram account?
1: Yeah, sure. So I've been doing dance videos for uh, quite a while. It started basically when the when the body positive community online. It was it was very small at first, and everyone kind of knew each other. And we would set these challenges for each other. And one of the challenges that someone made up was do a don't hate the shake video. That's what they called it, uh, and it was just celebrate the jiggle. Just let yourself move, let yourself be free and, you know, learn to appreciate your body in motion because I think, you know, it's always it's one thing seeing your body in a still picture. It it can be a complete new challenge to see your body moving like it does and still feel okay about it. So that's how it started. And it was so freeing and there was so much joy in it that I just carried on. And they became a regular feature, and then I started branching out and inviting Gemma to join me some days. Sometimes there's a cardboard cutout of Ed Sheeran that pops up, <laughs> and just you know, just just having fun with it. And it's not; it's truly not about being a dancer or being able to dance well. A very it's good just, dancer. I mean, I got some, I got some natural got rhythm. Some moves. It's the Jamaican, but that you know, it's just about the joy of it, which is, it's lovely. It's a, such a wholesome thing as well to see on the internet. I think. Yeah, I think and so. So yeah, that's probably people's favorite thing that i put on my channels
0: that's great and to see you and emma and to see her laughing as well when you're mm-hmm. well both of you laughing actually it's it is feel good content and i know we'll talk about it later but one of the things that you talk about in your book body positive power is curating the content that you see on Instagram to make sure that it's feel good content and nothing is making you feel bad about yourself mm-hmm. and actually scrolling past one of these dancing Instagram posts with you and Gemma or or anything like that can't help but make you feel good and, and smile. So thank you for that. <laughs> Just finally, what does your relationship with your sister mean to you?
1: For me, it's, it's, it's really important to have relationships in my life that keep me connected to childhood and, and keep me connected almost to my inner child and because that's that's the core of who I believe I am so she brings me that she's also taught me a hell of a lot about so many things about (laughs) self-confidence she is she is the most confident person you could ever meet she refers to herself as the queen she's a bit of a diva actually she makes demands about what she wants on a day-to-day basis she's taught me a lot about that yeah it's it's irreplaceable it's it's really special and I think you know, I'm I'm fortunate to be able to also play that role in her life where I don't have to, well, our family, you know, we don't have to entrust it to someone we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to do that. That's it's a real it's really comforting. And I think it's it's more of a friendship than a than a job, really. You know, I don't I don't really know what I would do if if she wasn't in my life. She she's the person I spend the most time with and I love her. It looks
0: like a really special friendship from the outside looking in. Yeah. And that's really nice to see that kind of sibling love in that way. So thank you for sharing that. Your next I am is I am an advocate for body positivity. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a big one and one that our readers are very, very interested in and have for magazine. So tell me more about that. That all started
1: quite a few years ago now. I'll oh between four and five years ago. And I came into the body positive world from years and years of yo-yo dieting, weight going up and down all the time. And then before that, I had had anorexia nervosa as a teenager. And I'd had this body dissatisfaction since I could remember since I was a child. And I never realized, and I don't think many people do realize, that there's another option to hating your body there is another option to going through your life at war with the way you look and constantly trying to change yourself so I was on Instagram and it was in the summer about four years ago and I was looking for fitspo that's what I used to use the internet for I would use it to find pictures of beautiful women who I wanted to look like and then I would use the pictures to punish myself that was my thing and somehow instead, I stumbled across someone who was doing the exact opposite, who was wearing a bikini, who was maybe a size 20, 22, and was saying, was calling herself fat and saying, but that's not a bad thing. But I'm fine with that. You know, I am. Yeah, I'm fat, but I'm absolutely fabulous and beautiful and amazing. And I'm I'm not dieting anymore. I'm not going to try and change my body anymore. I'm just going to live my life. And it opened up this whole world that I didn't realize existed but has it has existed for for ages you know there's there's books going back to I don't know the the 70s and even probably before about women's bodies and and how we're taught to hate ourselves and and why that is and how it's bullshit like it's out there the information is out there and as soon as I found it it was like everything clicked into place it was it kind of gave me the knowledge of, oh, this is why. This is why I've always felt this way. This, actually, it's never been my fault. It's it's always been bigger than me. There is a bigger problem here, bigger than my body. And everything changed after that. Everything changed after that. That kind of allowed me to really start healing. And at that point, you know, I was still carrying around, I suppose, this pain from my eating disorder that I'd never really healed because I still hated everything about my body. And I was still completely disordered in my relationship with food. But once I found body positivity, you know, which has all these different strands to it almost about diet culture and about food and intuitive eating and about our relationship with exercise and beauty ideals. And I just learned as much as I possibly could. And it all made sense. It all made sense. So obviously, I thought I have to have to spread this. You know, if I had got to 21 years old, not knowing this existed, how many other people have no idea that this exists right now. I've got. I've got to tell them. And I. I truly was not expecting it to go the way it did, and and to escalate to the point that it has. I just wanted to spread this message to to more people, as many as I could, and that's what I did. And then, and and here we are. <laughs>
0: It's an amazing journey, but also you say you'd got to 21 and didn't realise. I got to 39 and mm-hmm. didn't realise. And so, your book, Body Positive Power, obviously, I've been reading it ahead of us meeting, and you intellectualise the whole conversation around why we might feel the way we do about ourselves. And in that way of kind of taking it slightly away from our own relationship with ourselves to the environmental and what we're taught when we're growing up and all the different advertising. You're right it all starts to click you think oh yes that's that's how i form that pattern it's terrifying these messages that we have been inadvertently consuming and it's so right that what you're doing now is presenting that is reflecting that back and presenting a different way forward
1: thank you yeah i think when it comes to to body image you know absolutely everyone has some kind of body image issue that they're dealing with and it becomes such a. Basically, it thrives on guilt. It thrives on self blame. You know, we learn to blame ourselves. It is is our fault that we don't love ourselves. It's because we don't work hard enough. It's because we don't have the willpower. And we get all this this messaging confirming that. You know, it's 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 kind of it's all on us. So to actually zoom out and look at all of the forces that are teaching us to hate our bodies and really recognize, hold on, I've been consuming this stuff since I was four years old, you know, I've been consuming messages every single day, whether they are adverts or Photoshop magazine covers or Barbies or, you know, who, whatever media figure is is the beauty ideal of the moment. I've been consuming this since I was a child. Of course, that moulds how we think. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not insular. Our, our, our beliefs and how we feel about ourselves are so impacted by what we are taking in every single day and that means that really does mean that we are not to blame and it's not that we don't work hard enough and it's not our fault and that that is the fir- i think that's that's the first step really to to truly starting to unlearn this and it is such a huge such a huge long process of unlearning it's kind of taking every belief that you have about bodies and about beauty and about worth and holding it under a microscope and and thinking where does this come from is this serving me do i want to believe this and for me it's just it's 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 never ending it's yeah. never ending i still i still find myself you know getting that conditioned response to certain things that i've had my whole life and and all i can do is is try and take a step back and think i don't want to believe this anymore yeah and it wasn't my fault that I believed it in the first place. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and let it go.
0: It's ongoing work, isn't it? It really, really is.
1: And you've, you've spoken about that before. You've been very
0: honest about the fact that it's not, you know, it's not a linear kind of path with with body positivity. But y- your book, could you just talk us through how you approach writing this? Because you said you kind of got an email that said you want to write a book. But it, <laughs> what I love about this book so much is, is the way it has actionable advice you also have that kind of academic research in there, the mm. background, you know, the the stats, that real kind of hardcore information about what we've been ingesting, if you like. So how did you go about writing this book? Because it's, it's brilliant.
1: Thank you. Well... So for me, books of this kind of genre and this topic, they were game changers. I, you know, the first book I found was *The Beauty Myth* by Naomi Wolf, which is this like manifesto basically about beauty ideals and women. The, written in the '90s, and it was so powerful for me, so like fiercely feminist, and yeah it changed it changed how i thought about all of this and and from that i found more and then i i started building up this collection of of like 50 60 books of this genre that i didn't know existed but they were all fairly either 90s or before basically there weren't very many modern ones other than maybe Jess Baker who's who's a fantastic person a fantastic writer for this topic and when I got that email, I knew that I had to try and condense basically all of the things that had changed my mindset, modernized a little bit, into this. And I wanted to back my shit up. Like I didn't I didn't just want to be saying, you know, Instagram worthy quotes and 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 my own opinion. I wanted it backed with with research and facts and figures, because you can't deny them. You know, if if you uh you get a statistic in there that says, oh, there was a survey taken and ninety-five percent of women hate their bodies you can't you can't deny that there's a problem there so that's what I wanted to do and it was nine months I think it was actually equal parts reading and researching and then writing every single day It was a lot. There was obviously a lot of self-doubt and a lot of anxiety and a lot of, you know, people aren't going to take this seriously because I don't have a a PhD after my name. I'm just someone who's found a topic that I'm passionate about. I've been pleasantly surprised with the reaction. Like It's it's gone quite well.
0: It's gone really well. You have the lived experience, but also you did that research and... Mm. You were talking about some of those books that you had in the '90s. There wasn't Instagram, mm. there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't social media. You know, I we were talking about this in the office the other day. Facebook came around in what was it, 2004? Oh, yes. So the '90s, it was a it was a time where you it was magazines that you were seeing or television. But suddenly we've got these things that we switch on every morning. I mean, mm. perhaps everyone else is more disciplined than me, but it's usually something that I look at first thing in the morning. So I think being able to include that as one of those additional things that can be used as a force for good, mm-hmm. as well as something that can be another kind of source to feed that kind of discontent, I think is really important.
1: Yeah, and, and um, you know, there'll probably need to be another book in, in five, ten years because times will have moved on again and so much and social media will be probably even bigger. Um, and it's a little scary. It is a little scary, but... We can do what we can. Well, <laughs> but,
0: but exactly. We've got, you know, these lots of people now who are making sure that, that it's a safe space rather than somewhere for punishment. So, yeah. and what do you see happening in the next couple of years in terms of body positivity and how would you like to play a role in that?
1: I think if we look back at the last couple of years, you know, there have been these mainstream advancements. You know, we've seen a, lots of brands embracing diversity, you know promising to stop photoshop we've seen a a bit of a shift in in magazines and you know the writing they'll put on their covers and things like that and i think generally there has been a small shift but obviously with any movement as it gets popular in the mainstream it does get watered down you know and it does get shifted and turned into something that is not so you know we've also seen brands who absolutely are not body positive claim to be body positive positive cough cough weight watchers cough cough favorite <laughs> yes so you know there's there's that risk as well that you know as it grows and as it gets more well known it will be co-opted more it will be turned into something that it's not so you know and 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 I, I am a bit scared about that but i like to believe that there are enough people kind of spreading the true meaning of it which truly is all bodies which is all shapes and sizes skin colors ages genders abilities everyone And, you know, protecting everyone from basically the things that make us feel like our bodies are worthless and not good enough. That includes no diet culture, obviously. Hopefully there are enough of us to pull it out of the watered down version. There's always going to be a bit of compromise, I think, with things that are popular. But I would definitely like to see diversity not be newsworthy anymore. And I think we're getting there a little bit. You know, there was... Probably a couple of years ago where these brands started to uh, put on photo shoots and whatnot, featuring bodies that they had never featured before, making a big splash out of the no Photoshop thing. And I think I would just like that to be all the time. And if that's all the time, we won't be seeing articles about it. We won't be jumping up and down saying this is so amazing because it will just be normal. It'll be a given. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it should have always, always been, not only with brands, not only with magazines, but with all the media we consume, TV, film music all of it we that should be the norm thank you for that your final one is i have you've given
0: us an i have which is i have a history of eating disorders and ongoing struggles with anxiety mm-hmm. do you want to talk to us a bit about this and and where you feel you're at in that journey
1: oh that's a tough question isn't it that's um it's a big question sorry it's a different answer every day <laughs> yeah. truly i am um, so as I as I mentioned before, I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa when I was 14, and that was after several years already of falling down the diet rabbit hole and always hating my body and also always being a very anxious, perfectionist, not feeling like I'm a good enough person. So I was, let's say, a, a prime candidate to develop an eating disorder with, with all those qualities. And it took me a couple of years to claw my way out of the worst of that eating disorder, and get my life a little bit back on track i think the general public you know still might not realize that an eating disorder can can take everything everything from you you know i i was pulled out of school i lost all of my friends at that age because they didn't know what was going on and and i don't blame them it's hard for teenagers to understand mental illness and it really strips you of everything you thought you were you know you lose yourself to the illness it completely consumes you so it took me yeah a couple of years to kind of grasp back Onto steady ground, as it were, I was allowed to go back to my life, but I was still very much struggling in my mind. There's, there's this idea when, when you have a restrictive eating disorder, which means you, you know, your disordered eating involves restricting your food, and if you are someone who loses a lot of weight with that to fit the kind of stereotypical image of what we think anorexia looks like. There's this idea that as soon as you gain the weight back, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And I very much experienced that. I experienced that with medical professionals, with friends, with parents of friends. And, you know, instantly I had been kind of in hospital one year and then a year later I was back in my life and everyone was talking to me about how much weight they wanted to lose uh, because, you know, I was fine. I was I was you know kind of chubbier than I'd ever been, and they just assumed that I was a okay but actually, I was carrying around obviously still so much pain from that and so many unresolved issues, so it wasn't truly i i think until I found the body positive movement and started to unpack all of that that I hit recovery and i I do believe in recovered you know lots of people don't lots of people say they are recovering for life, you know, in the same way that addicts would say that they are recovering for life. And that's fine if that suits you, if that empowers you, you do that. I I believe in recovered because I feel like a completely different person, truly. I never thought that I would actually get here, where my relationship with food is completely peaceful, my relationship with exercise, same. I feel fine about my body, either I'm not thinking about it or I'm thinking, oh, okay, you're all right, You're, you're okay pretty good and so that's you know that's not a place I ever believed that I could get to obviously that's not to say that everything is perfect and my brain is smooth sailing every day because the underlying issues that I had all those years ago the anxiety the perfectionism the not feeling good enough you know they are they are still there they just don't take form in disordered eating anymore I think that's that's something looking back that I've really realized is that my eating disorder was a manifestation of those issues. You know, it was it was a way to put those feelings into something that I felt that I could take hold of, that I felt I could control, so they wouldn't feel so scary. Obviously I no longer have that destructive outlet of the disordered eating. That doesn't mean all the all the other parts have disappeared. They are they are still in me and I am still finding ways to manage them that aren't as self destructive. So I have been going to therapy every week for about a year and a half now. Obviously, dealing with the parts that have always been there and also the very new, sometimes overwhelming parts of being on the internet, (laughs) which comes with a lot of challenges for for anxious people. And, yeah, just just coping the best I can day to day, which can be very up and down, but I'm still here.
0: (laughs) It sounds like you work really hard on it as well. You work really hard on on what you know is going on with you and that you're able to kind of you said earlier on step back a little bit and look at yourself and see why you're doing what you're doing a bit like the research for the book it sounds like you really look into why you're experiencing what you are is that part of your personality do you think to to try and work things out
1: I guess so I um I guess I've always been quite an overthinker yeah. and I, really want, I always want to know why. Why is this happening? Why am I thinking this? Why is this the way things are? So I, I equally do that with my brain, which obviously has its positives because yeah. I, you know, I, I, I self-reflect a lot, which means I suppose I'm able to grow and also can be so bloody tiring because you get to these points where you're just spiraling around your own mind looking for answers that aren't necessarily there. So there's ups and downs to that. But yeah, that's definitely driven, driven me in a lot of things. I can imagine.
0: I'm going to ask you one final question for the podcast, mm-hmm. which is: if you could go back to a teenage Megan and have a word in her ear, what would you say to her? This question is is
1: so difficult because I don't think I would listen. <laughs> um, you know, I have with any of our teenagers. I know, listen? I know. There's there's so many things that I would say and that I would hope I would listen to. You know, I think of what I wish I had known all along is um, that I always had more to offer the world than how my body looked. You know, I, I truly grew up thinking beautiful, you know, our culture's idea of beautiful. That's the best thing I have to offer. That's what I should dedicate my life to. Who cares what else I do as long as I'm thin and pretty? And I just wish I had known the least important thing for me to be there is so much more to cultivate there's so much more to explore in myself and in the world than thinness Uh, and I wish I wish I had known that you know because it's that I don't know what my life would have looked like if I if I had known that I feel like I'm making up for lost time a little bit now but that's what I want all all young people to know really and not even necessarily just young girls all young people of any gender I want them to know you have so much more to offer the world than what social media is, is telling you you do or, or how you look when you look in the mirror. You know, you, you are more. You always have been. It's hard to make them believe that. But it's good to tell them because yeah.
0: one day they will. Hopefully. And thank you. And thank you for all that you do. And we're looking forward to having you on the cover of our magazine. Oh, I'm excited. It's very exciting. <laughs> thank you, Megan. Thank you. Thank you, Megan, for joining us today. Please do check out Megan's amazing book, Body Positive Power. I honestly believe every household should have one. And find her on Instagram at bodyposipanda. Megan will also be our cover star for the May edition of Happiful magazine. Finally, thank you for listening to I Am, I Have, brought to you by the Counselling Directory and Happiful magazine. If you'd like to read more about mental health and well-being head over to hapiful.com and sign up to receive a free e-edition of the magazine every month. If you're looking for local counselling support, you can find over 15,000 counsellors at your fingertips at counselling-directory.org.uk. If you need to speak to someone immediately, The Samaritans are available 24 hours a day on 116 123 and you can also email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available. This podcast has been produced by Happiful. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate, review and share on social media. And please join us again soon.